Hi, I'm Daryl Urbanski, and welcome to the Best Business Podcast. My mission is to help create 200 new multimillionaire business owners. How? You'll do better when you know better. In my interviews, you'll hear from self-made millionaires, seven-figure business owners, authors, and world-class experts sharing how they did it so you can too without experiencing the same obstacles they did. When your life and your business grow as a result of what you're about to discover, please call me and tell me about it. The number to leave a voicemail is 1-888-844-GROW. That's 1-888-844-4769. Long-distance charges may apply. Dial now to call me, connect, share your personal story of how my interviews have helped, or share your current challenges and frustrations so I can connect you with an appropriate course, coach, or help you if you connect. Now, if you like this interview, please share it with a friend you think will benefit. They'll appreciate it, and I will as well. You can also connect with me on social media. Look for Daryl Urbanski, D-A-R-Y-L, Urban Ski, U-R-B-A-N-S-K-I, and add me so we can be friends. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy what I've prepared for you right here, right now. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us. My name is Daryl Urbanski, your host as always. And today we are joined by the guy behind the scenes of a handful of companies designing and building sales teams plus processes bringing in a million dollars plus each year. His name is James Farron. Back in 2009, he taught himself how to build websites and then started cold calling tradespeople to get clients and quickly realized it was not fun. While hating sales and selling at the time, he quickly realized being able to influence people is a cornerstone of being successful in the world of business. So he threw himself into the deep end and dedicated his life to mastering sales and sales training. Ten years and millions of dollars in proven results later, I've asked James to join us here today to talk about the psychology behind what makes people buy, what makes them indecisive, and how we can all improve our sales processes, plus build a team around us to support them. So James, it's an honor and a pleasure to have you here today. How are you doing, my friend? I am doing very, very well. Yes. Thanks for having me. Yes, it's an honor and a pleasure, of course. Uh, I know you're feeling under the weather, so I'm glad you kind of are feeling better today. Now, before we get into this stuff, we touched on it a little bit, uh, but you learned how to build websites. But before we get into where you really started leaning in on mastering sales and building sales team and helping manage them and scale them, how did you even get into business? Like, why why did you start the, the website business? Was that your first business? Do you come from a family of entrepreneurs? Like, how did you get going? Yeah. So I think, I think that, that's an interesting question. I think personally for me, with my family, my father, he was in business basically my whole life. And his father as well. So my grandfather was has been in business basically or was in business for his whole life as well. And uh, when I was about 16, 17, I was looking at sort of what am I going to do after school? What do I want to do in my life? And I became very, very close to uh, going to ADFA, which uh, if you're not Australian, it's, the, it, it, it's the, like the Australian Defence Force Academy. And essentially, the way that it would work is you would be able to go there and do a degree. So I was looking at electronical engineering, and that would be four years for the degree, and then you had to commit five years to, uh, to the service. Uh, so it's about nine years in total, but they pay for your degree, and you actually get paid to go and study at the same time. So you basically end with no debt and you get paid quite a good salary straight away as soon as you graduate and all this sort of stuff. And it looked like on paper, such a good thing to do. But at the same time of this, I was working at a at a supermarket called Woolworths and I was stacking shelves and on the, uh, on the checkout as well. And I hated so much having to go to work. I hated it. I hated the fact that I had to be told by somebody else when I had to do something, how I had to do it. 
and I quickly realized that I'm not I'm not the sort of person that's going to go into the army and have a very good time. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so around here, I was uh, I was working with uh, with a math tutor who was trying to do all these at the time what I thought was all these crazy things online trying to sell like you know he was trying to sell this golf course and i'm like what are you talking about you're trying to sell a golf course and he had all these landing pages this website at the time i had no idea what was going on so i'm just seeing he's got some website he's trying to sell some like you know training on how to improve your putting and i was so curious about what this guy was doing and he told me you know go and check out and this is probably about 2008 he said go and check out frank kern and even pagan and i think dan kennedy was another name he gave me uh, maybe Jay Abraham as well. He said, go check out these guys and see what's going on. And so I sort of had a look at what, what, they, what these people were talking about. And I was so hooked. I was like, oh, my God, this this sort of marketing, advertising sales, the internet space, it's so cool. What's going on here? And this is really, really cool stuff. And so I started going there and paying this guy to math tutor me. But instead of math tutoring me, what we do is we'd sit down and we'd, I'd just like pick his brain about what he was doing with his websites and what he was trying to sell. And now, fast forward 10 years, he's actually got a dating and a relationship advice uh, website, which does very, very, very well. He, he blossomed into something quite nicely there. That's awesome. So, okay, so that got you going. And so what were your first steps? You stopped getting tutored for him for math. And so what, you know, what was the next step? Yeah, well, eventually I sort of just realized, you know what, I think that there, there's so much opportunity out there to make money in the world that I don't need to go to university. I don't want to go get a job somewhere. I'll just try and do, I'll just try and sell a product. So I figured out, well, what's what's a simple product to sell? At that time, a lot of people didn't have, a lot of companies, really small, like, you know, mum and dad style businesses I'm talking about in, in the suburbs, didn't necessarily have websites. And so I thought, all right, well, there's there's a need in the marketplace. You know, I've, I've already been interested in the internet stuff, so I'll, I'll teach myself how to build a website and and sell it to them. And I found a couple of some information online and some some basic scripts and stuff, which were in hindsight incredibly terrible. And uh, <laughs> essentially, um, what I did was I just picked up the phone and went through the yellow pages and, and started calling people and, and trying to sell them a website. And, you know, it was an extremely frustrating experience. I did it for about two weeks before I made a sale. And I, and I had a goal to make 100 calls every single day um, to these people, you know, you're getting told to fuck off, you're getting told all these things and you're like, oh, geez, I don't know if this is really the best thing to be doing. It's not fun. It's not enjoyable. I want to stop after 10 calls, but I sort of pushed myself through it. And all of a sudden, you know, I made one sale and then I made another sale and I realized that if I could just understand how to sell this, like I'm not, I wasn't a natural salesperson. If I could just understand what I need to do to sell more of these, if I could convert at a higher rate, I would actually be able to make decent money here. Mm. And so that sort of then sparked the next level of the journey. And uh, and somebody who you're familiar with, Gulliver, over at Strategic Anarchy, was, um, you know, had I've landed on his page somehow, entered my details, and all of a sudden I was, you know, interning essentially as a salesperson at their company a couple of months later. And you can imagine I was living with them and working with them. This is Gulliver and Leela. And uh, you can imagine after a year of uh, of being on the phone every day with somebody like Gulliver, Mm-hmm. listening to you, being there by your side, telling you what to what to say, helping you with your scripts, and just being there to discuss things with, my life completely changed. Mm. Yeah, Gulliver's a great guy. He's actually been on our show once before. So definitely anyone listening, if you want, you can check that out. But sorry, right, so you got hands-on coaching and training, in it, and how did your life change? Well, the biggest thing, I think, was just understanding how money is made. I mean, you know, growing up with entrepreneurial parents, I was never around or or involved in the process of making money with, with what they did. I've never really saw any of the money side of it. That was always behind closed doors. It's none of my business. Um, and all of a sudden, I'm in this situation surrounded by people who know how to make money really, really well. And they make very good money and they help people make a lot of money. 
and just being surrounded, I guess, by by that is just one thing on its own. Is it's very hard sometimes to push out there to achieve things when you're not surrounded by anybody who's ever done that before. And I mean, mm-hmm. actually surrounded. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're from the martial arts space. How good is it, or how hard is it going to be to go and and try and become a very uh, experienced martial artist who can actually handle himself when you're not surrounded by other people who are above and better than you? Right. Yeah. I always say, like, how would you do better if if you were left to yourself in the garage one day hoping to win a gold medal for your martial art or your whatever versus getting in touch with three people who had previously won gold medals and asking them to be your coach? Like, you know, it's just it's like you could be in the garage figuring it out yourself. Jim Rohn's got a great quote saying, you know, like you should spend your evenings reading from place uh, reading Plato and Aristotle and all the great works of the great minds of the world. You could sit there all night and not think of the stuff on your own. You know, and mm. that's the same. That's the same concept, like what you're talking about, like to figure it out on your own without any other examples or other people to talk to. I mean, it's you. You might make it, but it's going to take way longer than if you put a bunch of, you know, you have put a bunch of smart people together and you have sharing resources and knowledge and info. Like it's just going to expedite things exponentially. Yeah, without a doubt, without a doubt. And and you know, if you're not, and it needs to be, you actually need to be surrounded by these people. They can't just be, you know, I bought a course or I bought a program or I did this. I did. You, everybody, I think, needs people in their life as an active role in their life that is well ahead of them on the same journey that they want to be on. Mm. I forget what it was, but there's like only five ways to learn. It's like your experiences, your formal knowledge and training, the experiences of others and their formal training, lectures, and group, group efforts. I think those are like the five ways to learn. I, I kind of plagiarized or not plagiarized but i kind of bastardized <laughs> it a little bit trying to re- recite it but off the top of my head but i think that's kind of it and that's really it like there's what you learn through what you do and what feedback you get what training and courses you take and books you read in education asking people around you that you have access to and then there's of course working together with others and mentorship and those are really the big things that, to have that in place so mm. all good. i was gonna say if, if you're if you're on that track of improving anything whatever it is you know that the whole there's really Growth is really about learning new things, essentially, mm. right? Mm. It all comes down to what you need to learn how to do these things or you need to learn by doing them or whatever it is you need to be learning. So if you're not focused on that, you're fucked. Right, right, right. Yeah, if you're not growing, you're stagnating. And that's, yeah, it's only two directions, growth and death, unfortunately. Stagnation is a form of decay. So, so now what were some of the greatest challenges that you had to overcome in your sales career, like, like first, was it just getting on the phone? Was it like, for me, I keep having the, the, I've been hit in the face a couple times, like prospecting, like realizing how important that is to keep a full pipeline, <laughs> you know, like what were some of the biggest challenges that you had to face and overcome any milestones? I would say in terms of milestones or, or biggest challenges, the biggest thing for me was, was learning to deal with rejection mm. was the biggest thing was the biggest thing that I had to learn and I had to learn how to deal with um, it was one of those, uh, well, one of my biggest challenges because it's so easy to get down. It's so easy to, you know, have a very a bad day and let that carry on to tomorrow and let that carry on to the next day in the world of sales because every day you're looking for yes or no answers. Mm-hmm. And when you're getting, when you get a lot of no's, it can be very, very tough and very hard mentally to want to get up the next day and do that same thing over again. I mean, particularly if you're cold calling. Mm. Right, and I would never really recommend cold calling to anybody to personally do it in their business. Um, I think it's a huge waste of time. But you know, as an exercise to do to learn a bit of grit, a bit of uh, a bit of toughness to be able to deal with that rejection and get results. I mean, it's a very hard thing to do, and that was one of the biggest challenges for me because I would let my emotions 
control me and I would let my ego get in the way and all things like that. And that for me, I mean, some people have different issues, but for me, that was probably the biggest one. Hmm. The dealing with rejection. So you say don't cold call. What, what do you do then? Well, I think if depends on the business. If you're saying don't cold call, well, you know, maybe you shouldn't if you're in a particular type of business. There's some businesses where the cold calling and outreach strategy works, but I think that it needs to be at least prefaced by email or some other form of contact. I don't think anymore that mm. phone contact is the most efficient way to do it for a couple of reasons. First of all, time. How much time is this going to take to get through all of these people and to speak to them out of the blue when they're not expecting you and they don't know who you are to try and offer them something? I mean, it's going to take – it takes a long time to do that mm-hmm. and you're dealing with a lot of notes. It's not a very productive by-the-hour type of thing to do. Mm. I think that what is a lot more productive if you were to, say, email – 10,000 of those people or 1,000 of those people, depending on how big your market was, and then call them, the people that open the emails, call them specifically, and all of a sudden you've whittled this list of 1,000 or 10,000 down to the 50 or the 100 or the 200 most likely to be interested because they've at least responded to your subject line. Right. Right. Uh, so you can be a little bit more efficient, but realistically, if you're going to be doing that, you need to pay someone else to do it. Right. So, okay, so a big challenge when you're dealing with rejection you feel like don't cold call, especially today. There's so many tools, you know, email them first, maybe show them an ad first, get them to raise their hand somehow, you know, or get a referral, like get a re- an introduction somehow first, something to kind of get the conversation. It's always much better if they come to you, right? Then you go to them, but you can't always do that, right? It's no. uh, Yeah. So it's, you got, you need some strategy to kind of take a group of people. Like sales isn't so much about forcing things down people's throat. It's really about kind of at least, and correct me if I'm wrong, please, because I'm not a sales trainer, but I feel like it's about taking a community and kind of sifting and sorting that community into different buckets and groups and figuring out the group that, you know, is a win-win for you guys to work together type thing. And that's kind of really what it is. So whether you're networking at a chamber of commerce or whether you're just going to an email list and trying to figure out who's going to raise their hand, I think the first and most important step is really kind of qualifying people and, and just asking questions versus trying to be like, like, I got an email today out of the blue from some chiropractor in the Philippines that I saw three years ago, I think even longer, maybe four years ago, he just me once. And I've never got an email from him before. And I got this email offering this $2,000 package thing. And I'm like, that's just, that's just <laughs> spam. Like I, I know who it is. I know, but he didn't qualify yeah. me at all. Like, you know, like there's no, like, am I interested? Am I looking like that comes across as spam. And so I think that's where kind of like you said, cold calling is just tough. It's better to find some way to kind of filter people a bit first. So, that way, you know, you're dealing with someone who's kind of more relevant and interested in what you got. So yeah, 100%. And let me put that into perspective for you. I'm currently working with a company that operates under the franchise model, right? And so they're right now on a big push to recruit more franchisees. So essentially, the, the recruitment is the word, the term that's used in the industry. But essentially, from my perspective, they're just trying to sell people on the idea of, of buying into their franchise or buying a franchise from their company. Mm. And so they recently did. And this is something, by the way, this is probably the most common issue that I see in businesses that is causing them to not be growing and not be making sales that they could be making. Okay. This is the biggest issue that I see where the company puts their hand up. And so this is what the franchise company did. They put their hand up and said, you know, my biggest issue right now is I just need more leads, more leads. That's what I need. I need more leads. If only I had more leads, everything would be okay. If I had more leads, 
the business would be great. And I mean, how many people do you see spouting that sort of yeah. stuff, whether it's be on Facebook or online and on the internet? That's pretty much all you hear about, right? Right, right. If I could get a million people to know of my message, then I make all the sales I need. Yeah, I just you know just need leads, and you've got all these agencies and stuff out there who some of the biggest stuff that they talk about, they never really you'll notice a lot of agencies that are, that aren't very good at what they do. They never talk about the result. They never talk about the number of sales. What they'll talk about is, you know, I generated a hundred leads for a dollar fifty or something like that. They're talking about mm. how cheap and how mass in quantity the said the, the leads are. But what happens is you go to these agencies and you say to them, I want more leads. And so what do they give you? They give you more leads. And so all of a sudden you just get a, a huge pile of shit leads. And so this franchise company basically had people going and I think it was like an ebook or something like that, uh, that they were originally downloading in this campaign. And it was basically, you know, an information booklet about the franchise. And, oh no, was it? it was even less than that. It was like how to, how to be your own boss type of thing. And so you've got all these people <laughs> didn't even talk about franchises. It was just about how to be your own boss. And so, of course, the advertising company, the agency, can generate shitloads of leads who want to download an ebook about being their own boss. But how many of those people are actually going to be serious people that are interested in actually buying a franchise, mm-hmm. quitting their job, and making a huge change in their life? Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. So what happens is, and this is this is funny relationship, where me, the business owner, let's imagine I'm the franchise company. I want more leads. I go to the advertising company, and what I'm expecting is leads. If you look at marketing and sales, is one of the same continuum. Marketing is really getting the attention of people. Sales is getting those people whose attention you've got to give you money. Mm-hmm. Okay? So it's the same comp- continuum. The I go to this advertising agency. I'm expecting leads are going to come through closer to the sales end of that continuum. I'm expecting leads that are going to buy. I'm expecting to get all these leads and all these people are going to buy. They're going to understand everything they need to know already. It's a couple of simple phone calls and these people are going to buy from me. The marketing agency is saying, I'm just going to give them leads and they're going to have a really good sales process, which is going to be able to sell these leads. So the marketing company is only covering a little quarter of it. They're just getting the lead a little bit along the line. They're getting a lead at least. The company that's receiving these uh, these leads is just doing a little bit of sales stuff because they're expecting the leads to come through really, really highly developed, really, really qualified. Mm-hmm. And you get this huge gap in the middle, which is really the sales process or the marketing process, whatever you want to call it, that can be sometimes one and the same thing. And it's just completely missing. And the company, this franchise company had thousands and thousands of leads that came through with their phone number and they didn't make any sales. Mm. Not a single sale but thousands and thousands of dollars have been spent and this isn't the only example of this i mean there's probably people listening that have, that have done this yeah. before i'm sure you've seen a lot of people that have done this before yeah so what's the solution well the solution is to understand that it first of all it is one continuum and we need to essentially take these leads these people who are, who have put their hand up in some way or shape or form and said i'm interested and have a series of steps that we essentially take them through in order to get them to buy. Now, this is more complicated depending on what business you're in. So I, I like and I enjoy, to be honest with you, probably the more complicated businesses. So if you look at like a coaching business that might sell a, a $5,000 coaching program and they've got salespeople and they sell it on one call, a little bit differently, it's, you can get people on that call, it's closing the sale. But let's, if you look at other businesses that need multiple steps, Right, you might uh, look at anything where you have uh, somebody to come out to your home and measure something or look at something and give you a quote, and then they give you a quote. Any business like that, there's there's steps in there, right? There's steps in that process. This franchise company, there's steps that you need to take somebody through before they're going to uh, to buy a franchise. And so, what we need to do is create something that makes that person want to buy what you've got 
and make sure that they enjoy the experience of buying it. Mm. So let me give you an example of that so that it makes a little bit more sense. I'll tell you what I'm doing with this uh, with this franchise company right now because it's the project I'm working on. So instead of having all these leads coming in that are talking about, oh, you know, I, uh, you know, I downloaded an ebook and that's basically it. And then the company's got thousands and thousands of these leads and they can't employ a salesperson to call them because basically it's basically like cold calling. It's just a little bit better than cold calling. They can't employ a salesperson to do it unless they're talking about really low skilled people and it, it just doesn't work. So what we do is we say, well, let's educate these leads. Let's take them through a process. We're creating a webinar that's called how to buy a franchise, become your own boss and quit your job in the next four months. Hmm. Right, so it's specifically about franchises. This is a webinar, so people jump on there. They'll jump on this webinar, and so what I'm looking at is what do these people, what do these people that might be jumping on this webinar, what do these people that uh, that we want to sell this to, what things does this person need to believe in order to happily buy my product or service happily not me selling it to them for them to be like i want this and i want it right now what are the things that that person must believe so if we look at this uh, the franchise space all right so first of all this person must believe that they want to make a change the target market is generally people who are employed they've been employed for 25 years they they probably own a good portion of their home and they're you know suburban family and he, he doesn't spend enough the father doesn't spend enough time with his kids and he wants a change so the first thing is they need to believe that they want to change the second thing is that they must believe, they must believe that they need to make that change. It can't just be, I want to make a change. They must believe that they need to do it. Then if we're looking at this change, they've, they've really got a few options. They can, so I guess the next thing they need to do is they need to understand their options. They can buy a business, they can start a business, or they can buy a franchise. They can start something from scratch, they can buy something that's already existing, or they can buy into a franchise. Now, they need to then believe that the franchise is the best option for them, right? Mm -hmm. So what this company was doing before, they weren't even touching on this first stuff, right? Trying to get them to believe that a franchise is the best thing for them. They're just going to here, buy my franchise. And this person's going, oh, I'm a bit overcomplicated. I don't even know if I want a franchise yet. So we're at least getting to that point where they're saying, I want to buy a franchise. Then we're going to educate them on, well, what type of franchises are there? How do people put together different franchise deals? What are the type of franchises to be wary of? How to be confident about how the franchise industry works so you can have confidence when talking to different sales reps. We're giving them all the tools and all the information they need to know about how the franchise industry works. And then we want to educate them on the franchise opportunity that we want to offer them. So then we show them our franchise opportunity and how that matches up with all the benefits and all the things that you want from a franchise opportunity. So we're essentially educating this person. We're educating them on how to go about this. How much money do you need? What sort of vendor finance deals can you do with these companies? What are the things to look out for in contracts? What to do for your due diligence? What piece of information do you need to make sure you need? We're educating them because what happens is all the people that are actually really any interested in buying a franchise, if they have any interest at all, they're going to go through that. They're going to enjoy it. They're going to now see this company as the expert in the space. They're giving them all this information. And when we've got them primed and ready, now we're offering them our franchise and we're telling them about our franchise all before they even get on the phone to speak to anybody. Mm, mm, mm. 
So let's just break this down again. So this education-based <laughs> marketing. There's no, you're not shoving anything down anyone's throat. There's no manipulation going on. You're really just saying, okay, what are the beliefs that they have to have? And you feel almost like, like I asked you, the milestones in your career. What are the milestones, or the stages that they have to go through before they're like, I forget this. I know there's the five stages. I don't know if you know them off the top of your head. But yeah, you know, so what, what I guess you're talking about there is the five stages of customer awareness, mm -hmm. right? by Eugene Swartz. And so what this essentially is, and this is what, what I use to, to, to look at how I build my processes, is Eugene Schwartz sat down and said, well, I think there's five stages people go through before they buy something. And if you're anywhere in the world, you will fall into one of these five categories about every single possible thing you can spend money on. Okay. The first of these categories is unaware. So you, you don't have any problems. You don't even know that a product exists. You're completely unaware about pain, benefits, about everything that's going on with that particular category. I might, uh, I'm very unaware about what is happening in, you know, in the, in the fertilizer market at the moment. Unaware, don't have a need for it. I don't want any of that stuff. I don't know what the different brands are for fertilizer. I have no clue. Okay. Next stage is you've got problem aware. So this is somebody who perhaps is having an issue right now, but they don't know what to do about it. I'm looking at my lawn and, and I can see that my grass isn't growing in some spots. I feel like it needs fertilizer, but I'm not, I'm not sure. I just know that I've got a lot of issues with my, uh, with my lawn at the moment. All right, so that's problem aware. The next stage is solution aware. So now this is where I've started to become aware, and this is where somebody usually starts trying to educate themselves. I become aware of the different solutions that are available. So maybe I've typed into Google and I type in, um, you know, my grass is, uh, is dying. What can I do about it? And it comes up with a list of options. You can fertilize it. You can reseed it. You can use this special mix-in with water. You can do this thing here and that thing there. And here are all your different solutions. So now I'm aware of the solutions that are available to me, but I haven't quite chosen which one's for me. So I'm solution aware. That's category three. Next, we move on to product aware. And so product is aware is when I'm actually not only aware of the solutions, but I'm aware of specific products. I'm aware of this, uh, you know, Manua 2.0 brand that's sold for this price point and, and this is what it does. I'm aware of an actual product that I might buy. Mm. And then finally, you get most aware. And most aware is, well, I'm not only aware of the product, I'm aware of how much it is. I'm aware of experiences other people have had. I'm aware of how to buy it. I'm aware of everything there is to be aware of. I'm most aware. And that's basically the person who's there buying it right now. Got it. I love that. So, so this is basically a framework that people can plan almost like on a chart, like a, like a literally like step one, step two, step three, step four. So when they're generating leads, they can identify what stage they're at. And so when they know what stage these people are at, they know what hurdle to get them through. So the, yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Okay. And they must, and they must go through the following hurdles before they can buy. Nobody can buy your product until they are most aware. Right. Mm. They, it's impossible to buy a product unless you know how much it is, unless you know this, unless you know that, unless you have that information, unless you know how to buy it, you can't buy it. And at the same time, you're not going to buy a product if you're not even aware of the different solutions that are available that that product falls into. Right. Right. So, so they, they must go through each of them. It's, it's impossible. It's literally impossible for somebody to buy something without going through 
having overcome these hurdles. So using education, you can educate people versus trying to sell them about these different things. So if they're not even aware, maybe you start putting it, you just start putting out content about the issue. Like, well, I think that even then you've, you've got to look at, well, what is going to be the hard, what's going to be the easiest segment of the market to go after? So unaware might be a market, a segment of the market that you never go after, that you never try and advertise to, that you never try and target. But you might decide, in my industry, I'm not trying to teach people why they need manure. I want to sell sell manure to people that uh, or fertilizer. I want to sell it to people that already know that they have a problem. So right. you've got to identify who you want to go after. But I'll give you a really good example of how I've used this to create um, a sales strategy. Okay. A few years ago, I was in a company where we were looking to basically white label a, a service that allows businesses to get more reviews Hmm. okay and so we were putting together a sales process to sell this software to chiropractors in the united states Mm -hmm. and we tried a couple of things at first but one of the things that i realized is that for these guys to invest in it a lot of these chiropractors didn't see that getting needing reviews was the most prominent issue in their business and that they should focus time on it and invest in it Hmm. right so we came up with a strategy to really build build the beliefs that would need to be there. So we said, what does somebody need to believe to see not having enough reviews as the biggest problem, right? What does this person need to believe? And if we know what they need to believe, we can start figuring out how to get them to believe it. So here's what we did. We said, let's do an advertisement. We know that one problem that every single chiropractor has is that they want more clients. You'll struggle to find a chiropractor in the United States that says that they don't want more clients. They're out there, but they're not that many. They want more clients. So what we did was that's where we started the funnel because that's where we know that this person is wrapped right now. That's where their current headspace is at. That's where their beliefs are at. They want more clients. And so we said, what do these people need to believe to believe that, you know, to buy a review service? Mm-hmm. So... What we, what we did was we made a, a campaign and it all started off with, you know, how to get more clients, you're a chiropractor, how to get more clients. And what we'll teach you is, you know, who the easiest patients are to attract, where to find them, and how to, how to get your business in front of them. And so that sounds pretty good. That sounds like something that I want to know. So what we do is we turn around and we say, well, if we want to get more clients, it would make sense that we would go after the easiest clients to get. Would you agree with me? Like, if we're going to go and get some more patients, we want to go after the ones that are easier, right? Very easy for you to agree with. You say yes to that. I say, okay, fantastic. And so, who are them? We need to know who are the easiest patients. And so, what I would do is I'll take them through the five stages of customer awareness. And I would say, which one of these do you think, which one of these stages, unaware, problem aware, solution aware, product aware, most aware, which one of these stages do you think your customers are in right now, the ones that are easiest to buy? Right, most aware. And so he would say most aware, and I'd say, yeah, that's really good. They're your referrals and stuff like that. There's a lot of things you can do, but it's not very scalable, right? So what I think is actually better than that because it has more scale is product aware. People that are aware they want to they want to see a chiropractor, they're already, they know they've got back pain. They know that there's chiropractors and doctors and physios and all these different things out there, but they're, they're specifically chosen. They're probably a chiropractor is what they want to see, but they just don't know which chiropractor to see. Would you agree that that would be an easy patient to get rather than convincing them that they need a chiropractor in the first place? Right. Of course. They say, yeah, of course. And then we say, okay, cool. So if you've already decided that you want to see a chiropractor, whereabouts are you, uh, are you going to look? Where are you going to look if you're wanting to see a chiropractor? And, you know, occasionally you would hear somebody say Yelp, but really most of the time they would say, well, I'm probably going to, they're probably going to Google it. And we say, exactly. 
people that want to see Final Power Practice, they're most likely going to Google it. And then what we would do is we would show them some results. So we would write, you know, uh, chiropractor in Denver, Colorado, or chiropractor here, chiropractor there. And we'd show them the top, uh, you know, five or six results in a screenshot. And we'd say, which one of these would you rather go to? You're this person, you're searching, which one of these would you rather go to? And of course, they always chose the one with the most reviews. You know how the stars pop up in sort of like Mm -hmm. the uh, the map section? Mm -hmm. And so... They would say, well, I would go to the one with the most reviews. And we'd say, well, why is that? And they would say, well, because they just, you know, they're they're most likely where I'm going to have the best experience. We'd say, exactly. So the easiest patients to attract are those who are searching on Google. When they get there, they're choosing based on who has the most reviews. And if you have the most reviews, that means you're going to be getting the most patients from Google. And if you're getting the most new patients from Google, it means that you can get even more reviews than anybody else. And people aren't going to catch up. Do you see how actually getting reviews for your business is the biggest and most important thing that you can do over the next six months to hit your goal of, you know, X thousand dollars or whatever they want to hit? Mm. So what I've done there is before, um, you know, the reviews wasn't a very big problem, but what was a problem was the fact that they wanted more patience. And what I've done is I've shown them through these three series of beliefs that, you know, first of all, who the easiest people are to attract, where they're looking and how they're choosing by getting them to believe the things that I need them to believe. Now, all of a sudden, they're sitting there going, oh, my God, I need to get more reviews. I love that. So now, so, yep. So you yeah. just kind of walk. It's almost like a Socratic method. Exactly. That's exactly 100% what it is. Yeah. Love it. Socratic method. You know, I've always looked for courses on that. I mean, not like an all-day, everyday thing. But I think, like, asking questions and the right questions is such an incredibly powerful thing. Because, again, none of this is about selling ice to Eskimos. It's literally just about helping people become aware of their, the reality of their situation, the reality of their options, and trying to, you know, like be a stern but loving parent and hold them accountable to be their best, you know, and, and motivate them. And I think that that's, you know, sales gets a bad rap because there's a lot of people that are terrible at it. But when someone's really good at sales, you know, then it's really not a selling thing. It's a consultative educational thing. And especially if the sales rep has, has integrity and, uh, you know, even if you don't have any ethics, even if you have, you know, if, even if you're just greedy in it, like it, there's, it's in your best interest to be as honest and have as, and do business with as much integrity as possible because exactly. the world's too transparent these days. You know, you can't, uh, it is. It. yeah, it's way too transparent. And people, people, people are terrified of being ripped off. People like literally terrified of being ripped off. It's one of the biggest things that stops people from making buying decisions yeah. because they're terrified that. It's not going to be what this person said it would be. And so what we need to do is, you know, if we can, that process, I've explained two of them now, if we can educate people in our sales processes and make, give them a good service while we do that, then it's very hard for them to turn around and not want to buy a product or service from us if they believe everything we need them to believe, mm. right? They've already had a good experience with us. They're already enjoying having a relationship with our company before we're even asking for the sale. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the time, that's just educating them on, on how to buy um, whatever it is. And I'll give you another example of how this ties into to, uh, to building a team and growing that team quickly. So my parents, and so I grew up, their business is a blinds and curtains business. And so they do both wholesale and resale of, uh, of that business. And one of the biggest issues that they have is that 
the good salespeople are hard to find. So the people who will go out and do the measure because they've got to know sales and they've got to know enough about the product. And so he would always say that that was one of the biggest issues that, the, that he would have. It's, it's a reasonably multi-step process. You're going out to – somebody's got to call you first. They've got to want you to come out to the house. You've got to go out to the house. You've got to lug out a whole heap of fabric out there to show them different examples. You've got to measure their windows. You've got to go back. Then you've got to put together a quote and figure out, well, you've got to figure out with them what it is they want as well. Then you've got to put together a quote and then you've got to try and get the sale. And at every single one of these stages, there is an opportunity to provide really, really good service. Wait, are you just sending off a quote? Do you have a, a way to structure that, a way to put that together to make it really, really simple, to make it look nice, to be almost like more of a proposal than just a quote, to give them a really good experience there? When you send this person out to their house, do they have a checklist, a to-do list of things that they need to do in what order? First, I need to educate them on you know what sort of blinds are available, what sort of possible things. Well, let's have a look at the different examples of what people with a similar house with similar windows do. Let's look at photos about what looks good. Let's do this. Do you have a step-by-step -step of how to do that stuff to provide the people in the home a really good experience to be able to turn around and say that was fantastic? Hmm. Because if you don't, what happens is it's hard to hire people because you're hiring them hoping that they can do all that stuff themselves mm -hmm. and go into the home and provide an incredible sales service that people want to buy. Most likely that doesn't happen. Mostly what I saw is hiring people to do this, them not working and being very frustrated. And really the issue is you need a systemized sales process that's going to take these people in their homes through everything that they need to do so that at the end of that session, they're wanting to buy blinds from your company and no one else's that they're going to get quotes from. Mm -hmm. But you know, when it doesn't happen, then you're just struggling to get staff, let alone putting in place the right process. Yeah, and I love this. And, you know, and it's, it's is mental work. Like, it's not, right? Like, this is the real, as a business owner, this is the real focus that it should be on. In fact, I feel like I the number of businesses where I've seen where, and I'm guilty of this myself, but where it's like the the ratio of the team what I mean is, is so skewed. What I mean is, I remember I was working with one company, and there was me... I had an assistant and then there was a CEO and it was like I was the marketer and then the assistant was my assistant marketer and then the CEO was the sales rep but there was like 18 people on staff Do you know mm. it was like there was not a lot of emphasis like thankfully the sale like the the CEO of this company was but I feel like that's so common I had talked the other day with a guy a nice kid got a you know he's got a, a huge social media following like millions of people following him and he says he's got five companies and I asked him about his sales team and that and it's him yeah, wow. And that's it. And I'm, you know, and he's got like eight, eight or 12 people employed. But it's like, like you said, the emphasis, like this is really where the rubber meets the road. This is the stuff that really needs a lot of focus and time and attention, you know, like, because if you don't have this in place, you're really at the whim of, you know, if you're a retail business, then it's your location. If you're, if it's, you're, if you're just like, it's a trend, then you're just kind of like, this is what people want, you know, as opposed you to... You don't have control of anything. Yeah, as opposed to having con a controllable system where you have a predictable process to put people through and you're walking them through their hands and helping them get to the final stage. So, all right, so these five stages are fantastic. Now, you mentioned that the two places people, let's kind of regroup. So... You said that the number one thing is people need more leads. So how does the five stages match in with people needing more leads? Like if they need more leads, okay, but how do you, you know, like let's bridge that gap there. Is it that well, they, yeah. I think that when you look at, you know, obviously one of the first things to always do is look at who is, who is my target market? Who am I trying to sell this to? And then so that's the first thing. Where are the, who are the people that I'm trying to target now? And what's my goal? What do I want to, what do I want to get them to do? And so when we're looking at who, where are our people right now, where are the people we want to target, you're going to have potential customers that fall into all five of those categories, mm -hmm. right? 
But when you identify one, you say, well, I think there's a lot of people, let's just say that, um, that you're a recruitment company. You, you offer, you do recruitment services. You recruit people for them, uh, for companies. And you're looking at all the different, you can go after people that already know they want a recruitment company, or you could go after people that have, are having recruitment issues right now, but don't have any experience with the recruitment company, so they don't know about it yet. You've got to look at, all right, what are the categories? What are the different behaviors that each people in these categories are going to have? And which one do I want to target? Because you're going to target each of them differently. The person who is thinking about, they don't know what the solution is, but they know that they've got a recruiting problem. Well, you're going to talk to them about how to solve their recruiting problems. That's what you're initially going to be talking to them about. That's what you're going to be educating them about for them to be able to pop up their head and go, oh, wow, well, this recruitment company's got some really good information. They know what they're talking about. And now you've got them. Now you can put them down the line. If you're talking about somebody who already knows that they want to work with a recruitment company, but they just don't know which one yet, well, then it's about, well, how can I attract this person at that stage to show them that we are the best recruitment company. You might do something then about, you know, the five biggest mistakes recruiting companies make or the five mistakes that can cost you money when dealing with a recruitment company or something like that. And you can use that to get them in. So by identifying which one of these five categories they're in, you can get an idea of what is their thought process right now and how can I create marketing and advertising that's going to get that person's attention, but not only get their attention, I also know what are the next steps that I need to take this person through. So I'm not just getting their attention and then it's like, well, chuck it onto a salesperson. Fingers crossed they sell them. No, <laughs> I've got an actual process that now I know that this person's going to go through regardless of where they've come in from. Right. So that means that you have resources available for each stage, basically. Correct. It's almost like a survival kit for every scenario. Like if there's a landslide, this is my kit. If there's a fire, this is my kit. If there's you know, a gang with guns and whatever and baseball bats, this is my kit. And instead of that, you're taking a look at all five stages and you're preparing materials, whether it's ads or whatever. And you can do fancy things for, I know a lot of people listen to this are online marketers. You can do remarketing funnels and all that stuff. But the whole point of it is to ascend people to the next stage. So you kind of build out, and I guess you maybe start with the most aware and work backwards. Is that what you would recommend? Or 100%. Like the most aware is I'm starting a business out. If, if you, I'm starting a business from scratch. I'm going out to my network. I'm going out to my friends. My friends are friends. I'm going after. I'm trying to get referrals because that's the most low cost way to get in new sales. Is the most aware, right? That stage of people who already know who you are, already know what you do. They're existing customers. They're past customers. And if you don't have a good process to get those people spending more money with you, well, then you can't really afford to spend much on new customers because when you get a customer, you're not making much off them because they're not buying anything else. Mm. So let's talk about that because I think what you said there is really important. So with the most aware, you have to have a process for getting that – how do you say Getting them to buy – Getting them more all, from you. More from them. Yeah. So there's only three well, ways. Not getting more from them, getting them to buy more from you, being offering them more products and services, getting them to uh, to, to want more of what you have. You know, as Jay Abraham would say, and you would be very familiar with this, you've got three ways to grow a business. You can get more people in, you can convert more of those people, or you can get them no, you can get more people in, you can get them to spend more per purchase with you, or you can get them to make more purchases per year. Right. I was actually about to say that. I literally like I literally was about to say that. That you can get more <laughs> customers, you can get your customers to come back and buy more frequently. You know, instead of buying once, buy twice, instead of just buying twice, buying three times, and then you can get them to spend more money every time they buy. And that's that's it. And so so it sounds like the first thing to figure out though is that initial sales now do you think a lot of people struggle with that most aware group? Is that where they really have the trouble? Or is that kind of where people are depending on? Is that why a lot of people are struggling? Because they're kind of prepared for the most aware group and but there's just that's not so scalable because there's no active conveyor belt educating people 
into that, like ascending them to that level. Do you get what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I do. And and I think I think it's actually an even split from what I can see from my experiences with people because you've got some people who shouldn't be going out and getting new customers because they don't understand what they're going to do with their existing ones, right? Mm. Where, where they're literally not doing that properly and they're getting so many new customers in, they're spending all their money on getting new customers in, but once they come in, they offer, they offer them one product or service, they don't do anything else with them, they don't have good follow-up systems or anything and they're not making any money and they, they need to fix that issue. But a lot of people, a lot of people have that problem fixed. When people come in, they generally have a good experience and they have a, lo- a long lifetime journey and uh, and get a lot of value from the company over a long period of time. And yeah, for those people, it's just about going. It's like peeling the onion back. What is the next layer? Okay, if I've got my most aware done, let's go for the people that are product aware. Let's go for people that are aware of this product. And once you got that layer done, then you go to the next one. And so you're just peeling it, peeling it out, going one step at a time. And uh, as you do that, it obviously costs more money to get people in the further away from the sale that they are. You're going to have a higher marketing cost, but you're going to generally have a much bigger pool of people. Mm, 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 scale, or, and that's where scale in sales comes from. So how many, how long and how, how many times do you recommend following up with people? Dude, it just depends. If you can give me an example of, of a business and, and what the situation is for the follow-up. If I'm talking about a lead that's come through, let's say somebody has watched a webinar, they put their details in to have a call with me and they miss their call. That person is, has sat an hour and a half through a webinar. They know what the deal is. They've registered for a call with me. I have all the information. That person, with I'll follow up with a fair few times. If you're talking about somebody who's just a lead off an ebook and I called them five or six times and they didn't answer, I mean, you will get people answer up to like the 15th time. That does work when you have cheap labor to get that many dials in. But realistically, it stops becoming worth your time after four or five calls. Mm. But then post that, if somebody that I've just done business with or, or if you've got a company that's doing business with people, you want to look at what is the life cycle of this product and you want to be contacting them at every single milestone that they might be going through. Right, so let's just sell, sell, say that I sell bicycles and I actually I, I bought a bike, a bike uh, about a year and a half ago and I've never heard from this company again. I came in, it wasn't a particularly expensive bike, I think it was about $1,500. I bought a helmet, I bought you know a punchy repair kit, I brought all this stuff and never heard from them again. Well, they should be knowing that, all right, well, after the first month, this person's going to be using their bike a, bit, a fair bit. Let's contact them, ask them how it's going, ask them if they have any questions. Maybe they've had this issue come up. Maybe they've had that. I want to contact them. Maybe six months later, this or three months later, this person's getting quite into it and they want to buy a better helmet, a better light for the front of their bike. Maybe they want to buy this. Maybe they want to buy that. There's so many things that they could be offering them that they could be communicating with them about, but they're not even communicating with them in the first place. And they've just spent all this money in advertising and marketing to get me to come in and buy a bike in the first place. Mm. I love that because that makes me think of uh, a rumor I heard about Procter and Gamble, which is a major company. I think they're out of the states. I think that's like I think they're an American yeah. company, but yeah. they own so many different companies. And there's this thing they call it the baby basket. So when you have a baby at the hospital, you can sign an opt-in and get this free kind of gift basket full of all these different baby products. But in exchange, you're giving them your information. And I heard a rumor that Procter and Gamble does this baby basket campaign because then they know the date of the baby's birth and they have companies with products and services for every stage of that child's life up until college and university. Yeah. Like they know, right? They know when you're going to be around when you're crawling, when you're going to be switching different foods. So that first they're going to sell you diapers. Then, you know, they're going to sell you, like you said, then they're going to sell you the bike. Then, you know, they're going to sell you rollerblades. They sell you everything. Gonna, everything. The whole way through. Talk about lifetime customer value, right? Like from yeah. birth 
until whatever age they've got life insurance, you know, like you're, you're like the whole kit and caboodle. For the whole and, life. And so that's what you're talking to put this into a more relevant experience. Let's say somebody gets a pool installed. So, all right, I want a pool. They build, they buy and get this pool built. Well, do they need a deck? Do they need a fence? Do they need better patio furniture? Do they need landscaping? Now they have the pool. There's maintenance fees. And then maybe they need, they need swim lessons, right? Maybe they need a maintenance package or an upgrade. Or like, again, there's all these things that can be built off of that. Maybe now they're throwing parties and they need catering. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to be the provider of all these things that you do it. What I love is when you look up the word entrepreneur in the dictionary, it says a person who organizes a business or businesses. What it doesn't say is a person who turns on the light, mops the floor, cleans the toilet, you know, generates the leads, mm-hmm. makes the sales, does the bookkeeping. You know, that's not what it is. It's about organizing this stuff. And so if you are the Drayton Bird has a famous copywriter out of the UK. He's had a yeah, a, no, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. He's, he's had a best-selling book for 30-something years, my favorite quote from that book is, the purpose of business is to locate a prospect, turn that prospect into a customer, and then make that customer your friend. And I would add on to that that you have friends for a reason, friends for a season, and friends for life. And your goal is to make your customers not just your friends, but your friends for life, mm-hmm. you know, for the reason of whatever that subject matter is you help them with. Yeah. And I think that and that's I, really powerful. And I think there's a lot of businesses right now across the world who are in this state and, and you've, you would have seen this a lot of times a business gets going and you know they start making okay money but they end up into a situation where they don't have a huge pool of cash to go and invest in things and so they're stuck in between this this you know the the cash 22 position they don't have much money right now their overheads are pretty much the same as their income coming in i don't have a whole lot of money saved away and stored over here so some of the things that i might need to do to grow my business go and consult this person spend money on marketing and advertising over here and do these things i can't take many risks i can't take many hits i don't have much money lying around to invest in the growth of my business right a lot of people find themselves in that situation they're drawing their salary out of the business if the business didn't make money for the next two months you'd have to fire all the staff and uh and and you wouldn't be able to pay your mortgage right there's a lot of people that are in that situation and if you are the fastest and easiest way to get out of it is to focus on this most aware category these people who have already bought from you are already buying from you you could get a 15 to 20 percent increase in your revenue like that with very very little investment or anything that you need to really do up front in terms of uh in terms of money a little bit of time of course to identify where these opportunities are but they are there Yep. As if you're in that situation, go and get your money out of the business that you've already built. Yeah, I mean, it's the idea of just not being neglectful of the relationships. If you have a girlfriend and you're feeling lonely, then pick up the phone, call your girlfriend and ask her out on a date as opposed to be like, oh, woe is me, I need a new... Like, that's that's what a lot of people are doing in business, right? They're having a, a, an endless line of one-night stands and then they're complaining that they're lonely and they don't have lifelong partners. You know, and that's, I feel like a lot of businesses do that. So, all right. So we talked about getting that in order, getting that part in order, feeling with the most aware, figuring that out, you know, and I think a lot of people like if, because we're talking about this from a high level, these five stages. And so if you are able to identify when you talk to someone, what stage they're at now, you're, you know, the whole overcoming objections and this stuff, those are really nuanced things that we won't have time to get into in this call specifically. But for the most part, those won't be super large challenges because the biggest challenge is get like a lot of people, the biggest problem they have is getting a hot prospect to begin with. I know that that's something like people think like, oh, my closing rate sucks because I talked to 20 people and I only made one sale. But what they didn't realize is that the 20 people they talked to, only 
one of them was an actual lead, like was actually qualified mm. buyer. They didn't qualify anybody. They just talked to 20 people. They didn't qualify them to figure out where they're at. And so I think a lot of people find their closing rates are probably a lot higher when they have a qualified person from and they really are struggling with the qualification process and the education process moving them yeah. from one stage to the other, which is kind of what you said. So assuming that we have someone that they're pretty decent with closing people who are most aware, how do you then build a team around this? And what's the responsibility handoff in terms of when you hire and build a team, is it the team's responsibility and you're going to train them to move people through this? Or is that a marketing function? And the team, the sales team's responsibility like what I mean is I worked with an agency, a sales agency before, and they wanted me to fill their calendar with appointments of people who had watched a webinar, filled out a survey, like filled out a 20 question questionnaire. And basically we're getting on the call to just hand over money. That's like where they were at. Like they just wanted that part. Like they wanted that part. And that's. And they I wanted was, to be order takers. Right. Exactly. So they get on there and take an order. So can you talk about that kind of that, that handoff? Like when you're building a team, how do you navigate that? Right. Like. Yeah. Well, the, the first thing that you need. Either this, there's two schools of thoughts on this. I can have a, I can go and find the best salesperson, somebody who is naturally amazing, and they can take a really rough quality lead and turn them into gold, and they'll smash through 100 leads in a day to find those people that are really interested, and he will be able to close them for sure. I can go find that guy. It's going to cost me a lot of money to pay him. He's going to be already working somewhere else. Because if he's that good, he's got a job somewhere else right now. He's getting paid good money. I'm going to have to poach him from there, which means I'm going to have to offer even more money. So it's going to be very expensive. There's not many people like them around, and it's going to be very, very hard to find. Hmm. Right, so that's one side of the coin. Or what you can do is you can create a system that is so powerful that it's the system itself, not the salesperson, that is creating the value. That way, all you need is people to take people through a process, and those people just need to have, you know, as long as they've got good energy, and as long as they're enthusiastic, and as long as they're motivated, they will be able to succeed. And if you have a really good process, a process that's really, really simple, really to the point that people can understand how it works, how it's taking these people through these different stages of awareness, if you have that process, you will be able to hire the right people. Now, when you hire them and you bring them on, I guess you want them to be spending all their time doing what's most productive. And that's dealing with prospects, dealing with people. And so where I look at the split between sales and marketing, even though it is one continuum, it's the same role. It's just one is a bit more active talking to people and one is a bit more mm-hmm. proactive in terms of the you know, online stuff that's a bit more automated. I want to make sure that that salesperson is doing the only thing that can make him money or make sales, and that is being on the phone. And I want the marketing side to take care of the rest to get these people onto the phone, but I want the marketing and sales to be working so close together. They know that they're on, they're taking people through the same journey. It's just that the marketing handles the front end of the journey and the sales handles the back end of the journey. Now you've talked about developing the process, and that comes from knowing these five stages and creating resources and tools to help people with that. So if someone's on the phone with someone, they talk to someone, go, oh, this person's product aware, but they're not really most aware of the product. So instead of just trying to shove them down on ours, we're actually just going to educate them on you know, almost like those price comparison charts. That's what that is. When you go to a website and they have the us and all the competitors with the different things offered and the check boxes, that's what they're doing. They're taking you from product aware to most aware. That's what they're doing. And then the next step would mm-hmm. be to offer you some sort of incentive to act now, a good deal to take action now. And maybe even talking about, well, yeah, but I don't know because this is coming up and I'm nervous about, you know, having money for Christmas and just walking them through that. Like, okay, but what if you don't? And and basically comparing, you know, the scenarios if they do take action versus if they don't take action and nightmare scenarios. And
and best case scenarios of both and letting them weigh that because everyone's doing that calculation in their head all day every day on their own and you're not going to swindle someone you're not going to pull yeah. a fast one on them and you know and and use these magic i saw a post today on facebook about these mad it was like these magic words that like you know and i'm just in part of it is real like you know like there is some truth to that but i think was it brian kurtz and a uh, direct response to known forever that's like 40 percent was it? It's 40% offer for 40% list, 40% offer, and 20% copy. And Brian Kurtz has said, after being his company that did like 40 million a year for, you know, for like 30 years, he says, I really think it's 41% list. Who you're talking to? 39% offer, and then 20% copy. Mm-hmm. Because of that, like that whole thing, and what it means is that it's not your copy. It's not the and, and and that's an online written thing. It's not the salesman. The salesmanship will make a difference, right? You can have the best. You can you can mess up someone that's ready to buy from you. Just like guys, you know, if they're trying to get laid, the girl might be ready, and then they say the stupid thing, and then she pulls her panties up, and then she's gone, right? Like you idiot, why'd you say that, right? Like, so it's that that can happen. <laughs> But it's the other stuff is so important. Who are you targeting, and what's the offer, and right, and getting them through there. So. Now, what is? I just want to. I I want to like. I just want to download everything from your brain. Can can, <laughs> can we do that? Can we get the neural link and just sync them together? No, this is great because I think this is really good, actionable stuff. I think it's really helpful and helps people understand the handoffs at each point. Now, is there any other big mistakes that we should talk about now before we run out of time? Any other big mistakes? I'd say one of the one of the biggest things, and we've already covered on this a little bit, is that. When you're building your team and you're building your sales team, you need to understand that that is a system that is relying on people for a large majority of it, and you need to be on top of what's going on there. I see a lot of people who want to grow their sales team, and they just go and hire a bunch of salespeople and just sort of throw them at the problem, like throwing shit to the wall to see what sticks. You need to understand that this is a process that has got a lot like got people in it, that people are operating in. You need to be on top of that. You need to make these people feel part of a team. A lot of people, when they're trying to hire salespeople, they almost treat salespeople differently to everybody else in the company. If it's my if it's my admin assistant or if it's my this or my that, I might have a good relationship with them. I see them at the office. I do this with them. I do that with them. Salespeople sometimes just get treated like you know, a dog that I'm throwing a bone to. Hmm. And as a result of that, they don't have a good culture within their company and they'll have salespeople coming and leaving quite often, which is one of the biggest symptoms of not having a good culture. And generally the culture is because the owner of the business doesn't want to be dealing with the sales side of it. They just want to sort of chuck people in there and hope for the best. But you need to be on top of it. You need to know what's going on. You need to enjoy and love sales as much as your salespeople should. Otherwise, you're going to find a very hard time or have a very hard time trying to get these people excited about you and the company and and what it is that you're trying to do. I love that. So can we talk about some of the daily habits for world-class? You're a world-class salesperson yourself. You've got a world-class sales team and you've got a world-class culture. What are the daily habits that you're, you're exercising here? Okay, fantastic question. So the first thing that you're doing is you're having a morning meeting every single morning before everybody gets into work. You are there and everybody's getting pumped up. And I've got a list of about 10 different things you can do in these meetings, which uh, which we'll talk about in a middle bit, how everybody can get access to it. But you need to be having a morning meeting, basically getting everybody revved up, seeing where everybody's at, what deals everybody's working on. You want to have a look at yesterday. How did we go yesterday? What could we have improved upon? with everybody that's there, for everybody that's in the team, so that everybody starts the day at the exact same time, gets into the same mindset together, they feel like they're a part of the team. This must be happening every single day. Every single day. And there'll be a lot of people out there that say, oh, you know, 
I've got a really good salesperson and, you know, he's really good at, uh, at working on his own and he'll go off and, you know, he does his best and I barely have to deal with him. You're lying to yourself. You're mm-hmm. absolutely lying to mm-hmm. yourself. This person, you need to be speaking to them every single day. So that's number one. You need to have that morning meeting. Number two is you need to know exactly what stats that you're tracking on a daily basis. There's some stats that you might track monthly or weekly, but there's a lot of stats that you want to be talking about today. There might be your simple ones. How many calls were made? How long was I on the call for? Calls for how many offers did I make? Because you obviously, not everybody you speak to, you make an offer to. Mm-hmm. How many offers did I make? And then how many decisions did I get? And the reason why just decide know why decisions is important the whole goal here is to get somebody to say yes or no if they say maybe and we're thinking about it and we're following up with them for weeks we're wasting a lot of time so we want to know what percentage of people make a decision we'd rather them say no than maybe to be honest mm-hmm, with you mm-hmm. so we've got those stats and we're going to look at them at the every at the end of every single day that's another habit we're looking at them at the end of every single day here's what uh, here's what we did here's what everybody did you need to have this quite open for everybody on the team to be able to see and because in the morning in the morning meeting we're sort of, sort of setting a goal for what we want to achieve and then at the end of the day we're looking back upon that you also do that with a monday to friday type thing where every friday you're looking back at the week and every monday morning you're looking at uh, you know what we want to achieve this week so You've got your morning meeting, you've got your afternoon meeting. The afternoon meeting is like five minutes. Morning meeting, we're talking about 15 minutes max. Then you've also got celebrate. One thing that must be ingrained for you is to celebrate when people make sales. When people are doing something really well, you want to celebrate that. And you want to find ways to be able to celebrate that, to make it a positive and good environment for everybody to be in. Mm. Right? A lot of people, they're working at companies and they get told, you know, they're just getting told everything that they're doing wrong. And they're not being told about all the things that the company right. is grateful for. Yeah, I love that. Exactly. Yeah, Amazon, um, Jeff Bezos at Amazon, just uh, one of my mentors, Kim McCarthy, Be- Jeff Bezos was actually kind of in our circles in, uh, back in the day, early days of internet marketing. And his office, they used to ring a little bell every time they sold a book online. Like to yeah. That that's the humble beginnings that they had. They had a bell, they would ring it. Like now Amazon's this big behemoth. But it came. It started with just exactly what we're talking about here, right? Uh, so, Elf every it. sale, yeah. and then they had to take it down pretty fast. It would have got uh, a bit <laughs> yeah, annoying. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So some of the daily habits: morning meeting, 15 minutes. You know who is where. Yesterday's stats. Everyone's together, unified. What's their goals for the day? What are stats at for right now? Some of the stats might be how many offers did you make? How many decisions did you get? How many contacts did you have? And then the next one would be uh, you said an afternoon five-minute huddle. Just kind of a quick recap where we are at, yeah, at the end of the day. Yeah, just a quick recap of the day. Um, the, ne- the next big thing is less than a habit but more of a process is to have your sales team be involved in solving the problems. What a lot of people do, once again, is they will you know, be in charge. They're, they're, they own a company. They've got a sales process. They chuck people in it. And they won't let the salespeople try, change, test anything. They don't let them feel like they have control over this. And these are the people that are on the ground, man. They're speaking to people every day. They have, they'll have a lot of good feedback. So when there's issues, let's just say that I've identified as the sales manager that the biggest issue that we have is we're not getting into enough conversations. We're generating a lot of leads. Not enough conversations are happening. The reason why that's happening is because we're not making enough dials. Overall, mm-hmm. we're making about 50% less dials than we calculate that we need to. So I'll sit down with the team and we'll say, all right, guys, we're not making enough money. Here's what I've identified to get them to agree that, okay, cool, this may be the issue that's, that's happening. I'm never finger pointing. It's never about who's to blame. It's just about this is the issue that's happening. Let's brainstorm some ideas. What can we do about it? Because if you get your sales team to come up with some of the ideas to solve it, and you can point them in the directions that you want to solve and that you want to go in, but if you can get them to come up with these ideas, the ability for you to then get them to implement it mm-hmm. skyrockets. Right, because they, they're, they're owning it. 
Exactly. It's their idea. You've put, you've, you've believed that that's a good idea. And if they don't, you know, if you've just told them, go do this idea, this was my idea, go, go do it. And they don't believe it's a good idea. They don't understand why it's a good idea. And they just feel like they're being told what to do all the time by somebody who's not even on the ground doing the work. You're going to get two completely different results. Mm, 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 mm. I love that. Now, what about training? Is there any role playing or training that you think is part of necessary for day to day? Yeah, well, once again, this this really depends on what products you have and what sort of market you're in and where your biggest obstacles are and what the things that people need to be practicing the most are. Uh, essentially, when somebody first comes on, a lot of training, there's a lot of things to learn. You've got to learn the process. You've got to learn from other people. Uh, one thing that's really cool to do is to at least once a week, if you're, uh, you sit down with a team and you can identify a call recording, assuming that we're on the phone here and we've got recordings, that you can listen to as a team and you guys can be pointing out, here's what we could improve here, here's what we can improve there. If you can get the team working together in that way, uh, makes a huge difference in terms of training because then they're available for each other. You want them to feel like they can talk to each other. I had this objection, what would you do? Or I had that objection, what would you do? Along with, obviously, you want all your frequently asked questions, documents, and all of that sort of stuff there ready for them to use. Mm, I love that. I love that. All right. This is so. This has been so jam-packed. This has been such a good content call about one of the things that are, again, it's so mission critical. I mean, people always say what's more important, sales or product. You need to have quality products and services. That's taken as a, as a given. But honestly, with a fantastic sales team, you have way more opportunity and funding to improve your product or service than if you just have a world-class product or service, but you can't get the word out. The business graveyard yeah. is littered with world-class products and services that nobody knew about. There's, I, 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 I'm, it's me right now but there's a handful of great examples of products like actually vr virtual reality headsets so i think we're around in the 60s like the little visor thing that you wear the v that's not new technology yeah. that's old technology that was world-class time but there was no education about it there was no sales and marketing behind it it just it just you know it just didn't go anywhere until somebody pulled it off the shelf again later and it did a better job of putting it out into the world and so it's just this is this this call like people listening to this may want to listen to this time and time again and actually we actually have a fantastic offer for you guys james why don't you tell us about it yeah fantastic so i have if you're if you're sitting there listening to me right now is thinking you know this this sounds pretty good what these guys are talking about it sounds Interesting, but I'm a little bit confused about these steps here or those steps here. I have a uh, an online training program called Sales the Definitive Guide that uh, that I created for one of uh, Australia's high-end business masterminds, and I have decided to give that away to everybody who listens to this call completely for free. So this is a program that's going to take you step by step through how to basically get somebody from unaware to most aware, how to get them to believe in you. We talk about objections. We talk about developing your scripts. We talk about a whole lot of stuff that goes through in a lot of detail, how to create your sales process. And it's available to you completely free. All you need to do is go to revenuelabs.com forward slash Daryl. And uh, you'll have some instructions on there on how to access it. And that's D-A-R-Y-L. And to the, and the, and just kind of frame this for people, I actually, part of why James and I are doing this call right now is I spent $2,000 US on this exact program you're being offered for free at revenuelabs.com forward slash Daryl, D-A-R-Y-L. And I reached out to James because it wasn't sold by him. 
It was sold by another friend of mine, another person who's been on the show, and it's fine. You can sell it. But when I talked to him, he said, oh, actually, I'm, I'm, I'm going to make that available for free. It's just part of my process of helping work people through my five stages. And I spent two grand on it, and it's definitely worth the two grand. And as a listener here, when I talked to James, he said he'd be willing to come and give this away to everyone here. And I highly, highly recommend it. Definitely go check it out, uh, especially considering that it's free. It's just it's quality education on one of the most critical components of your business as someone who is vested in helping give you quality information to help you reach seven figures highly can't i can't encourage you enough just go get it it's free i paid two grand for it and in exchange for that we're getting it for all of you for free so just do it you can thank me if you want on social media you're welcome and james just thank you for being so generous uh and giving it away because I think it's going to change some people's lives. It, is, it honestly is. I think better sales and, and better salesmanship, which is not forcing things on people. It's just, it's, it's just effective communication and really getting to the heart of an issue. It's just going to – it would revolutionize so many different businesses. If we could snap our fingers and improve everybody's salesmanship, even 10%, they would get more from all the effort they're already doing. Yeah, and I, I think that it's uh, – what I'm doing right now, even by giving away this definitive guide is – and one of the reasons I wanted to do it is because this is my principles in action. You know, I was talking before about education and service. Yeah. I, if people are listening to this and they're interested in this stuff, in this sales stuff, and they want to be able to apply better processes to their business, well, then it gives them an opportunity to, once for one thing, I can provide them a huge value for nothing up front. It allows them to go and see what I'm about and, uh, and to see how I do my sales so that they can see that, yes, this is or isn't something that they, that they want. And if it is, Fantastic, you know, some of these people will reach out to me and I might do uh, some really cool work with them in the future. But it's all about educating people along that line to be able to, for them to be able to see what you're about, who you are, and how you can help them. Yeah. And that's just this in action. Yeah, yeah. This call was so awesome, so action-packed. I love it. I'm definitely probably going to re-listen to this. I highly recommend people watching it or listening to it now listen to this again a couple of times. I'm, I'm, you know, we beat the drum on teamwork on this. We beat the drum on paid advertising. We beat the drum on proper sales and marketing, having good qualities of products and services. Fundamentals are fundamental. They, they're just, they're fundamental. Like when I did martial arts, whether you were a white belt or a black belt, you had the same fundamentals. And the reason why they teach that to you is because even if, you know, even though you're a black belt, you can fall victim to the same moves because they're fundamental. You know, whereas the fancy stuff that you learn in the middle somewhere doesn't often get seen at the highest levels because it doesn't work. It only works on the unaware. We always just say the most entertaining fights to watch are against someone who's skilled against someone who's completely unskilled because the skilled person's just flipping around. The most boring fights are to watch are when people are at the same level because none of that fancy stuff can be done, right? Like the stuff that people mm. want, like the dazzling things. The dazzling, spectacular, double backflip, twist gainer, you know, hopping on one leg moves only work <laughs> on the unaware. It only works on the uninitiated. Once you go through, it's, it's literally like, the fundamentals are what people are using at the highest level to perform. So it's not about being complex. It's not about the next new shiny object. It's really just about transferable skills. These skills that you will learn in this course, this program. I get nothing out of this, honestly. I, I had actually had to buy this program. I'm not getting a refund. So Yeah, I felt a bit um, awkward too when I spoke to you and I was like, yeah, oh, well, you know, I'm thinking about giving this away for free to all your people and you just told me <laughs> you paid $2,000 for it. Yeah, and you know, and it's fine because I know that the value, I'm not begrudging it because I had to make the commitment to do the course and that led me to contacting you, which led me to having a gift to give to all my f friends and followers. So now I'm more valued to everyone and I'm going to make that money back. it's a gift that you've invested in. It's not just some random gift, yeah, which yeah. I think is cool. And it's just, it's, 
it's just it's a small drop in the bucket when you look at a transferable skill set that I can apply to my online marketing my interpersonal relationships talked about I'm having issues in my building with this pet thing going on this is all sales and persuasion it's one of the most fundamental skills so I've actually gone through I think this year four or five people's courses just because I felt that I wasn't happy where I was with my sales skills or I felt like maybe I was getting rusty and I really wanted to commit to mastery and mastering this because it's such a fundamental principle and so I just encourage all my listeners like I'm, I'm telling you, go to revenuelabs.com forward slash Daryl. There's no back end affiliate, non like there's nothing here. It's Daryl paid two grand for a course, reached out to the guy who was the expert in this course, even though that wasn't who sold it to him, got picking his brain, and then found out that he was planning he could get it get it to give away for free to his audience and get him on the call. And a lot of the questions I've been asking, some of it were for you, but some of it were for me because I've already been through the program. So um, go check it out, revenuelabs.com forward slash Daryl, and definitely listen to this call again. Take a ton of notes. James, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been an honor and a pleasure. Is there anything I didn't ask you that I should have asked you? Oh, dude, we've gone through so much stuff. There's yeah. probably lots of things we didn't talk about and lots of things we did talk about. So <laughs> I yeah. think it was good. Yeah, well, good. we'll have you back on some point in a couple of months for a follow-up interview. So thank you again so much, James. It's been an honor and a pleasure. I'm glad to be able to consider you a friend now. And uh, just thank you, man. I know there's a lot of other things you could be doing, so I appreciate you. Ah, glad to uh, glad to jump on and have a chat. I always enjoy having a chat with you. You've reached the end of our interview. Now, first, let me thank you for listening. I appreciate and respect you more than you'll ever know. And now I'd like to ask you a couple of questions. First, what three lessons did you just learn? What three aha moments just jumped out at you? Second, what can you implement for yourself and your business in the next 24 hours? Third, what can you give to someone else to help you with or give them to just do it for you? Whatever it is, remember taking action is the secret sauce to results. Now, if you think this interview would be helpful for a friend, please give them a link to it. It'll help them and it'll help me too. I'd also like to invite you to help me find out more about the challenges you're facing, your dreams, your goals, and how I can help you overcome what's holding you back. We both do better when we know better, and your success is my success. So please reach out and interact. You can visit our website, bestbusinesscoach.ca for Canada or California, where I'm from and where I'm living. You're welcome to also try out one of our paid programs. You can find us on YouTube, Facebook, and pretty much every other social media channel you can think of. You should also subscribe to the podcast. And if you're enjoying them, please leave us a nice review. It really helps. That's all for now. Once again, thank you. Take care of yourself. And remember, the world needs the best business you can build. And I believe in you.